Hi, Tom. Hello, Heron. So. Oh, your sound is very much better tonight, or louder. It? Yeah, it's it's much louder, I should say. Before I had to sort of struggle to hear Yes, I'm not it's sure what's just... happened previously. I mean, my perspective is it's the same volume mm-hmm. on my end, so maybe... Yeah, well, it's a happened. big difference. It's immediately noticeable. I don't know very why, good. but I, but it's nice. <laughs> Always good to be heard. Yes. At least in terms of volume. <laughs> so, I don't really... I mean, I have a few kind of topics, a few possibilities of topics... But I don't have anything written down, and I thought it was probably better just to get on a recording and have a chance to, to jam with you, associated <laughs> with possible things. Well, that's always a possibility. And now, our last recording, even though it was quite some time ago, I think it was a couple of weeks plus, it was the day after the election, actually, I received a lot of really positive correspondence from folks associated with that conversation. Really? Mainly because we've been holding off, so, or I've been holding off so many recordings based on work. But, uh, yeah, no, I got a lot of really positive feedback, and it's actually, it struck me as very interesting, because I went back and listened to it a couple of times after the fact, just based in last yeah, time. I, I the, barely remember it. On the feedback. <laughs> and, you know, it was interesting to listen to it again, because I think through the recording of this thing, I guess I don't really, I mean, at some points when we have these conversations, I'm not as completely aware, perhaps, of some of your misinterpretations of certain things. And it's actually quite curious to go back after the fact and have a listen to it. My misinterpretation as opposed to a a different interpretation than you give to something. No, no. Well, (laughs) I mean, when it's things that I say, uh, my perspective, I guess, when I say things is that I'm relatively clear about what I'm saying. But when I listen back, I I actually hear it with your ears, if that's a way to say it. Well, yeah, no, that's absolutely right. That's but that's always true. You Mm. know, you put it together and, you know, you do the best you can. Mm. And I do what I do with uh, the other end. We all do that all the time. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. It strikes me sometimes through as we're doing this thing live. I can't really work out how the confusion that seems to arise arises. And then I go back and listen to it and I realize, ah, so at this point, Heron thought I meant this. And then Heron thought I meant that. Ah, then, yeah, it know, would be good if we could catch these at the time, wouldn't it's, it? It's, yes. it's, the, the difficulty <laughs> is that you need, it's very difficult in the timing of this to actually hear it with different ears. And I think some of the subtleties... No, but you can be aware of that as a factor to be considered. Oh, without question. I'm aware of it, but it's very yeah. difficult to hear the misinterpretations when we do this thing live. If and I still, I still do yeah. not accept your, your concept of misinterpretation. Sorry. You gave me some words. I interpreted them. So, you know, you but, didn't like the interpretation. Well, you disagreed with the interpretation. But... Uh, there's no misinterpretation. I mean, there could be. People do, I suppose, yeah. intentionally misinterpret other people. But um, I don't believe that's what I'm doing with you. I'm. You use language very strangely compared to most people, you know. Uh, so you got to mm. take a look at, at the way you communicate if people aren't getting your meanings. Mm, well, it's, I mean, but I think that's true. I, I would say maybe I'm slightly more unique in this than some but i would say that lack of interpret i mean this is the whole gendo thing right the language is an imprecise tool 
that we're kind of bludgeoning each other with in some fundamental. No, that sense. no, that, that's not the thing about. I mean, that's uh, that's one analysis of it. Yeah, yes, yeah. But it's about using, trying to use language more precisely, exactly, and, and to sharpen the tools. Exactly, exactly. But it's interesting, actually, that through I still try to avoid the standard Gendo pitfalls, having done this for you, with you for. I don't know, seven odd years now. So, I mean, I guess my perspective is that even by avoiding the pitfalls that you acknowledge in the five stupidities, it's still a very imprecise oh. and blunt Oh, instrument. yeah, it's, it's yeah. tough. It's yeah. tough work, man. Yeah. yeah, the five stupidities, again, that's just a, yeah. a thing to play with, a thing to get you involved. Certainly. But it's, it's, it's extremely subtle and mm. <laughs> complex. Mm. I guess it's interesting because, I mean, certainly in the last conversation, what I was trying to do was offer indicators, particularly associated with the election results, and just that I had, I guess, in my own mind, and certainly people were very receptive to this because that's the feedback that I received, but in talking with you, there were certain points where either, it's not that you weren't receptive, it's just that you had your own... In it, 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 there's no precision in terms of this, in terms of the description and the language that's used. Well, you and I are coming at it yeah. from an entirely different Without point question. of view, and, and that's uh, I think that's yeah. what you're getting at, right? Yeah. Is that we're yeah. not talking about the, the same universe here? Certainly, but it, I mean, what you say associated with me having a relatively unique perspective, somehow mapped into language, somehow mapped into a, others' understanding. I think is is true. I'm not going to argue with that. It's clearly the case. I'm married to someone who I spend, you know, years <laughs> going through curious misinterpretations and then coming back in perfectly yeah. playful ways, which I mean, it's, it's yeah. effectively no, a relationship as well. No, it could be a lot of well. fun. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> coming back and saying, well, actually, you know, this is a very interesting interpretation of, you know, these set of It can words. be very self-awakening, yeah. you know, to observe yeah. how, you know, both of your language machines function, yeah. you know, and I notice guess, these things. Yeah, you know? I guess my and, perspective is that I'm, I am, on some fundamental level, trying to change certain aspects of this thing. But at the same, which thing is this? The ability to have a conversation with someone where I feel at the end of the conversation, and this was what was really curious about the last podcast recording, was I thought at the conclusion of the recording that I had, as precisely as I possibly could, conveyed to you a series of ideas. And I realized actually in the days following, re-listening to the recording, yeah. that that had not actually occurred. Well, that wasn't actually what I was interested in anyway. Yeah. That wasn't what the conversation was about in my mind. Yes. Well, that's well, I, I'm not sure I remember now <laughs> what it was about. Yeah. But, but because, uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting in the days following, particularly the correspondence that I received from folks who, I guess there's, there's a continuum here where perfection is completely and utterly unattainable. But I guess my hope is... Perfection that, in what? That the ideas that I'm conveying in language convey 100% of the time, an impossibility, but at least a hope that I, I'm trying to aim towards in some curious way. But what I found particularly fascinating was in the conversation that we had last time, probably only about 40% of the ideas <laughs> that I was trying to convey. And this is actually interesting because when you re-listen to a conversation, and in particular you hear the other person echoing the ideas, there's, a, there's an old 
Jewish, I don't even know what we'll call it, I guess. Anyway, it is that a mushik, which is a non-Jewish Russian peasant, laughs at a joke three times. The first time when they're told the joke, the second time when they're explained the joke, and the third time when they understand it. And these are actually three very distinct processes, which I find in my own life continuously. It's a, it's a very, I guess it's not a fable. What would you call it? That, that idea. Anyway. Um, I don't know. I'll, it'll come to me. Anyway. So yeah. I, I reflect on this frequently because I frequently find myself in the company of people that are laughing at a joke two times and I'm just waiting for the third time associated with their own understanding. And I, I agree with you that I have a particular perspective which makes... You lay traps with language that would lead people in one direction yes. and then you turn it around on them. That's kind of intentional. Because oh, think, damn right it's intentional. <laughs> because my perspective is actually that moving someone into a familiar place and then turning it on them is a way of learning, which is it's ultimately... Well, it can be a strat, you know, yeah. in a classroom. Oh, there's all sorts of places yeah. for that. I think that's a perfectly good strategy. I, mean, I don't Socratic. appreciate it when you do it with me. It's Socratic, right? It's a what? It's, it's it's a Socratic, you know, it's it's of the means of teaching of Socrates, right? So I did well, it before. Vaguely. I did it before. Somebody I read, said one of my yeah. favorite lines is that the, a good teacher digs holes for his students to fall into, yes. and then they what they learn is in this process of climbing out of the hole. <laughs> Do you think that's what I'm doing? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I told you a long time ago. I have no idea what you're doing. Very good. <laughs> I, I guess my perspective is. There are so many modes of learning which are fundamentally familiar, and they're not the modes of learning where I've ever done any... I mean, in some cases, I've done some meaningful learning through these procedures, but the ways that I've really learnt things, I mean, like, deeply and, like, remembered them, have always been through the Socratic method, where you take along a familiar path, and then there's a twist, which turns you and makes you realise, oh, but wait, this seems like it should have been right, but then it was actually my own thinking that was wrong in this process. I guess... For a lot of things, I mean, particularly with regards to politics, this is a continuous process with me. This isn't something where I'm lulled into a sense of surety for long periods of time. I'm constantly being perturbed and learning new curious things which make no sense. And I think that's actually what's really fascinating about certainly the past couple of weeks, that um, having gone to the stage where I realised that there was something really curious and fundamentally unsettling going on. I've been in this state, a state of unsettlement for two, well, solidly for the past two weeks. <laughs> right? But I've been in that state for 40 years. Well, it's slightly... <laughs> You'll get used to it. It's, no, I mean, I look, I have two. But what, what's striking me is certainly over the past four to eight years, there's been a familiar pattern which I've been able to resolve, and the previous four to eight years I was able to resolve similarly. But what I'm seeing currently, particularly in terms of my, like, I don't know, my background of, like, reading politics and yeah. analytical political yeah. philosophy and all this kind of stuff, is so new associated with just extreme authoritarianism. Like, I mean, I guess I guess I'd lulled my sense into, into the kind of, what I would call the far right kind of corporatism, 
which I saw through Obama and through Bush, actually. I mean, the, Obama as a logical trajectory from Bush really made me feel not necessarily comfortable, but just like this is discomfort, but it's discomfort that I understand. What we now see under Trump is a completely different, and Obama hasn't even left the White House. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really extraordinary. And certainly the legacy of Nixon and Reagan and to a lesser extent Clinton and to a lesser extent Bush the Elder, but certainly Bush the Younger, they all had this, <laughs> after they left the presidency... Well, they were all sane. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You see, this is where it gets interesting. Because certainly, I mean, from my particular perspective, they were no, all... I'm being... You know, I mean, I'm, but I'm serious. I mean, my yeah. perspective is that you need to look at their... It's completely different insanity, without question. And it's really very fascinating, particularly associated with the Obama legacy. I mean, if you look at Reagan, for example, here is someone who... Uh, Listen, I don't... Yeah. You know, I, I really don't give a shit about this stuff, mm. honestly. Um, uh, what's his... Trump, Trump is so outside the the uh, tradition... Certainly. And, and the economic and political theories that everybody Certainly. has about stuff that I think, you know, you go ahead, analyze this shit all you mm. want. Uh, the issue is how are we going to deal with this thing going Without forward? Question. Without and, question. and again, it's not him. It's the people that voted for him. There are a whole lot of people in the middle of this country yeah. who uh, are desperate, desperate enough to vote for him. Certainly. But and, it's still, yeah. that is that is a part of this. Another part of this that I find fascinating is what what does the media like the you know NBC what oh, have yeah, you down yeah. to PBS <laughs> I and mean, what what is the media after president after the election of President Trump and yeah. what we've seen just in the past two weeks is that the media has no place in this thing. It's really very extraordinary. Like they've always been a curio and particularly they've always been a curio for someone who's come from another country and just yeah. looked at the American media as this thing. But now it's being completely pushed to the side. So it, time is speeding up. This is what yeah. has come to me from this Certainly. is that my time scale for Without things question. needs yeah. to be adjusted yeah. because uh, it ain't going to go back again. It's getting weirder, faster, mm. and it ain't going to get normal for until it, it breaks into and and there's a new normal. I just don't think there's normal anymore. I mean, my well, no, the old yeah. no, there will become a new normal after after the transition, <laughs> you know. But that could be you know decades, many decades from now. Yeah, before yeah. we reach that. In yeah, the I, meantime, I think the, the yeah. nature of normal in. What well, normal is for, is a healthy yeah. body. Your body, all the cells are operating normally. I don't feel that way. Well, mine are right now, anyway, yeah. more or less, you yeah. know. And um, that's what I mean by this. And and we will, I think, if we don't, we won't be here. Yeah. If we don't normalize, if we don't coalesce into something coherent that works on, in, on this planet and this environment, then we won't be here. Mm. I guess I read a lot of science fiction as a boy. I mean, up to age about 15, when I had a strong aversion to science fiction and stopped reading it from that point on. But I guess I felt prepared through reading various dystopian future science fiction that this might actually come associated mm -hmm. with oh, having, yeah. <laughs> having this video president that, I mean, Obama, to some extent, to a small extent, 
had elements of this, and certainly Bush did. And to well, I mean, they extent, have, we have since television came uh, in, without you know, question. Nixon and yeah. Kennedy, without know. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We That's just now changed have... the game, man. It's a new, different. Yeah. It's a different world. It's certainly. just a different world. Yeah. All the old political theory and all is, is shit. You without know? question. Yeah. Pete Seeger's dead. <laughs> is he really? Apparently so. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, he, he'd, he'd write some interesting songs about now, but I don't think it would be yeah interesting times. So you seem to be, I mean, certainly when I talked to you the day after the election and when I followed in probably the week following yeah. in terms of your Facebook posts, were that you were... Uh-huh really very disturbed and unsettled. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I still am. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, there's great resilience in the unconsciousness of America. Let's hope so. <laughs> and, you know, so we'll see. I'm, I'm open. You know, he, again, who fucking knows? He could turn out to be really good for this country in some way that, that would just piss off everybody that voted for him. You know, I don't know. Yes. Any fucking thing could happen at this Certainly. point. Certainly. So, you know, uh, I'm, and actually I used the whole week. Actually, it was really good. Uh, I was just stewing in it. I mean, I was really worried. I, in you fact, were. I no, I mean, you, yeah. it was, it well, was I've obvious. Already made, yeah. I've already made contact with several people in other countries yes. uh, to assure that I have some place to go if I decide Certainly. to get, um, so that, that's nice to, to have that sort of not nailed down, but mm. just knowing that there are places I can go, you know. Well, that's an interesting thing. I mean, this is an interesting thing that came out of the election for me as well. I mean, I'm actually a migrant. You might have gathered this at some level. <laughs> but I've actually migrated not just here, but also to the UK and then back to here, having migrated yeah. here initially. And it's actually a very interesting and very real process for me. In fact, I'm considering moving back to the... well. I had two options. I was thinking either Australia or the UK. The UK still seems like a really good option. But God, the UK looks to me scary as hell. Well, man. it is in the cities. But when you get out of the cities, oh, okay. well, that's it's the same very here. different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. To a yeah. certain extent, it's the same here. Yeah. But in the UK, yeah. it's very different. Yeah, sure. All, because, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, again, all the poor people are jammed into the cities. <laughs> and that's where the problems flow from. Strangely, yes. I mean, it's interesting, actually, because if you look, uh, it's called Children of Men, the, yeah. the kind of falling apart of the UK. The nature of country towns and the countryside in the UK is super resilient even to, you know, post-apocalyptic zombie-like yeah. plagues. Because, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. We'd hope so. That's my hope, anyway. That's That's what I'm clinging to. Because certainly downtown San Jose isn't. Well, so. you, no, no, you don't want to be. Yeah, that yeah. The, the, just yes, just making sure you get out in time, you know, yes. and and have some sort of plan or not. Is it at my age? You know, I almost don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know? So I mean, it might be interesting to hang out here. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But anyway, no, it's been interesting watching your periodic Facebook posts and. At least getting a sense that you were, because I mean, listeners were really concerned as well. That's the reason that, I mean, one of the substantial motivations to actually put down the laptop, stop work for an evening and actually have yeah. a recording session with you. Yeah. Because well, that was, you know, concerned. actually, and, and I, like I started to, but I forgot and didn't finish it that, that, um, I realized I needed to be occupied. 
yeah. you know, because I was just stewing in this shit. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, you know, and I make my own lunar calendar, and I was yeah. running out. I mean, I was only up through January of uh, next year. Okay. So I, you know, it, sometime in the next month or so, I need to make uh, a calendar, and I and I so I just made it for the next ten years. Hmm. So I now have my lunar calendar, and and I realize that this is something I can sell. You know, yeah. it's, it's a it's designed to, to work on a um, you know on a tablet basically, mm. uh, and it it's anyway. Uh, I haven't quite finished it yet. I've but I mean it took me it kept me really busy with tedious bullshit typing <laughs> and proofreading <laughs> and the yes. most tedious shit you can possibly imagine. I get all these tables of yep. moon times and shit and, and then extract them and then convert them from GMT to California time. And, oh, yeah. You know, so I had to do all this shit. So it took me two weeks <laughs> to, to ba- it's done now, except Very good. some other stuff, some, you know, uh, explanatory notes and things yes. to go with it. But anyway, so that's what's gotten me through this whole two weeks is I spent Basically, every waking moment, putting together my calendar for the next 10 years. Yes. Very good. <laughs> yes. And I'm feeling good. And I'm thinking, there is a market for this. And since hmm. it's just a PDF, it, it's trivial to uh, market it. Hmm. You know, if, if there is a market for it, cool. <laughs> yes. And if there isn't, who gives a shit? It maybe cost me a couple hundred bucks to do the experiment, but hmm. – Within the next week or so, this thing Certainly. will be finished, and, it, and all it is is a PDF file. Yes, and um, and I'm thinking, w- me and one other person should be able to do this whole thing. It's it's, mm. it's going to require a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and let's take that. a step back. Does it require? Yeah. I mean, my thought was actually it could be sold through YouTube. Oh, and, well, it, it, what could be solved? The marketing. The marketing could be solved just through YouTube. Well, that's certainly a possibility, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's all sorts of possibilities for these. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, I think a website actually probably... Well, there needs a place for them to go so they can download it and buy it. PayPal. You just well, have, they still you, have to be a site that they go to download it and to no, no, no. You can, it, right? PayPal, PayPal can work it out. So they click on a PayPal link, they pay some money, and in response to paying the money, they get sent the PDF. That can be done through PayPal. No, I understand that, but yeah. that PayPal—you're saying you just link that directly to the the audio I mean, or the video on yeah, YouTube? Yeah, the YouTube. The YouTube. Well, you can click through right. this link. And I mean, my perspective is actually you want to minimize the amount of stuff that you have to. do I don't before. want to have anything to do with this thing. Exactly. <laughs> I want to be all automated. Exactly. It, no, that's it, what with I'm the exception saying. is, I want to create a Facebook page for it, though. Mm. Uh, and then there can be some, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to talk to people mm. uh, if they're interested in talking about the calendar. Here's, here's one of the markets which I think is particularly fascinating, which is the reason that I talk about YouTube. Over really, I don't know, the past six weeks, if not more, I have worked every single day. I've worked basically between six to 14 hours a day. I work roughly six to eight hours a day on the weekends if I'm lucky. But I've just been (laughs) continuously working. And YouTube has become one of my main outs in the evening. I've been reading a lot as well. But YouTube has become... And I found two very interesting groups. One of these groups, which actually ties very heavily into what you were saying, is what I would call, I guess, the RV nomad. The folks that have a vehicle that they live in. Mm, oh yeah and they drive around it 
And that is actually a very interesting well, community. Yeah, it's a whole, yeah, and they're connected now because online, right? Yeah. Many of them rely upon exactly what you talk about, a single thing which requires a single payment. Some of them are even as simple as stickers. And the people that watch their YouTube videos either buy a T-shirt or a sticker or something else that they sell online. And this is all on their YouTube page. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. it's a YouTube page with a link through to PayPal with once a payment's yeah. made. Yeah, okay, but it's all physical done sticker with, with, is sent. With nothing other exactly. than YouTube. Yeah, okay. And it doesn't require them to do anything. Well, I don't, I, I don't see that this is an exclusive deal. I think so, there needs to be a web page, too. Well, here's, here's the thing about the YouTube videos, yeah. is the YouTube videos convey enough information that people can... And it's, a, it's fundamentally a way of saying right on. I mean, you do get some additional information, you do yeah. get a sticker or these kind of things, or a t-shirt... But it's just a way for people to say, right on, I like what you're doing. Here's 20 bucks. And yeah. yes, well, I here, get a sticker what out I'm it. looking at is mm. there, there are probably going to be five to 10 pages of mm. explanatory and yeah. philosophical background so, on this calendar that's going to go in, probably in an appendix mm. at the rear or maybe in the front. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, what I'm thinking is there's going to be a free download of maybe two months of the moon, mm. plus all this material for them to read so they can understand what it's about. But this strikes me This strikes me that it all could be done in an explanatory video or five or seven or ten, how many explanatory videos you want to make. Oh. And that gives them the introduction, uh -huh. and then they can make the decision. What, yes. the, what is on the, all these videos that I'm making? Well, what you've said is you're going to provide a document to provide some explanatory information that people can read for nothing and then make a decision about whether they want to purchase it. All this, yeah. I, I put to you that people are considerably more visually inclined now to want to get this information ideally explained by you in real time in a video. And then, based on that, they can make the decision associated with whether they want to make this purchase. Well, that may or may not happen. I say I'm looking at minimizing my involvement well, with this whole thing. I minimize you know, somebody thing. to do the. Well, the this is like, it's interesting, right? <laughs> I mean, in recording a few videos, yes, there needs to be planning and what have you. But that versus maintaining a website where you get constant and true videos have comment sections, so people can leave comments, yeah. which you then have yeah. to respond to. But I think what's interesting that I find with these nomads, for want of a better term for them, RV nomads, is the notion that many of them set these things up two or three years ago yeah. and are still surviving quite comfortably traveling the mm. U.S. on okay. All on YouTube. All on YouTube. Yeah, okay. Well, that's certainly something to take a good look yeah. at then, yeah. And I guess the other thing about it is that YouTube is a pre-existing community and also a community with a long time. I mean, this is why I like podcasts, too. Yeah. You record a podcast. Well, again, I don't see any yeah. contradiction between doing this and having, uh, you know, what what is that that company that, that you get the free websites? Mm -hmm. Many, many. Well, there's Squarespace. A, a, ma a major one. Squarespace any, is the big one. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. uh, it doesn't seem to me it would be, be difficult to set up an, a very simple website. So for other people who don't, you know, who in, in the world who aren't in these other setting, communities. Setting up a – well, that's interesting, actually. I mean, my perspective in these circumstances – and I haven't done this because I still record podcasts. But in these circumstances, particularly if you're looking for an audience to buy something. No, the website isn't to – well, like I say – well, go on. Uh, listen, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just thinking yeah. about this I stuff. Mean, having – 
I don't even necessarily want to use the term worked with you. Having had a conversation with you for more than seven years now, my understanding associated with your, I don't necessarily want to use the term inertia, but your perspective associated with putting together a variety of different things is that websites are inherently difficult. They Doesn't that depend on how it's set up? It doesn't have to be difficult. That's the whole point. That's exactly, you're distilling exactly why they're difficult. Because people come, the whole notion of, oh, I'll just set up a website is kind of paradigm 1995. But now we have so much knowledge associated with So I go to one of these places that has, uh, offers these, uh, you know, free websites and templates and everything. Yeah. Um, what is wrong with using something like that? Because no one person... No, the demographic analysis associated with the way that people use websites is so completely diverse that it's a 1995 paradigm. Now, what the hell does 20, that mean? I, 20 if, years if, on, if, let me explain this. Let me explain this very clearly. 20 years on, no one, no one individual or even groups of people look at websites the same way. And there are so many really, really, really badly created websites that fail to get people to do anything, that the website paradigm as a means of getting people, oh, I'll just create a website. People go to the website and they'll buy this thing. This is 10, 20 years worth of lost time and interest. It is not, there's no science associated with creating websites easily. Well, who cares whether why, there's science involved? This is why the whole Squarespace <laughs> thing is a scam. The whole nature of, oh, I'm someone who has this abstract idea. I'll just put together a website and then it will mysteriously solve everything. This is not the case. <laughs> who the hell is that stupid? <laughs> well, this is what I'm saying to you, Harry. So why even engage with this folly associated with, oh, well, I'll just put together might, a website? Well, because my experience with the web is that sometimes I'm looking to buy something hmm. and, uh, and I go to a website and there's a link that says buy and hmm. I click on it and I buy it. Describe those circumstances. What in the past two months have you done that with? Well, I don't do this very often, but this I'm exactly well, I, okay, well, I was this looking exactly for a, a shave. A ra- okay, no, I, was, I didn't buy it yet, but I will when I'm ready. <laughs> My shaver is about ready to die. Yes. And um, so I went to the Costco website, and they have a very nice one at a yes. decent price, and they will mail it to me yes. within two days if but, I but so desire. This is where it's fascinating. This isn't some independent shaver, some guy who in his garage has found the next best way to create a shaver that you could be buying from. This is through a very defined corporate experience that you have decided. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I went, I did a search. I, yeah, I went to Costco and exactly. searched for shaver. Yes. <laughs> so the likelihood, even one, even if the, the stars align, the Google searches align and you get you know, a hundred people a week to look at your abstract independent website. That in and of itself is a, a very interesting problem. So back in 19, yeah, if I can get a hundred people a week yeah. uh, to look at that, I'd be very happy. Well, the thing is that you, you will probably make, if you were lucky, a sale every three weeks through those kind but of, I, I don't really give a shit. See, that's the point. I don't give a shit about that. I make the calendar. Yes. It's already made. I yes. think there are other people in the world who would pay to use it. Yes. It, the issue is how do you get to them? Exactly. You know? And it's, 
you know, and so that those are the the things I'm exploring mm-hmm. here. Clearly, YouTube is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure just how what kind of what I can do in the videos. I I really don't like doing that, but well, you know, I'll I'll consider it. Yes, I mean the the paradigm. I I find this. Let's take our own examples. You have a Gendo website. I have a Noble Ape website, right? I get some traffic. They're not comparable. Website. What do you mean? Mine, it, mine wasn't put made up for anybody but me. Okay, but well, actually, that's not kind of true, right? I mean, it was well, designed- it was made by me for one yes. thing. So I mean, it, it's it's such a simplistic and ridiculous level. <laughs> you know, it's hardly, it's, I mean, I'm pleased with it. It serves me, you know, every two years I mm. get an email from somebody who said, cool, I like that's, it. That's <laughs> exactly know? my point. That is yeah. exactly my point. Well, that, and that's okay for that. that like I say, that, that's the past though, obviously. Yeah. That's not going to work in the, that's not going to, if I decide, well, again, I'm not really deciding to make this calendar into something it's not. Mm. I want to make it available mm. and I want to make it and I, and I don't want to be involved with it <laughs> very much anyway. Well, that's and, another interesting problem, right? I mean, part of actually creating something, if you want someone to buy it, requires, and I found this through my own experience, requires a certain amount of nurturing independence. A certain amount, yeah. Yeah, yeah a certain amount. Yeah. Well, like I say, I, I wouldn't – well, like I say, I, I can see starting a Facebook page for it, mm. you know, and – doing stuff there and using Facebook ads even perhaps, yeah. you know, I, uh, that's another I, at this folly, point, but still, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that, that's something you've had some experience yes. with, so you can be very helpful there. Yes. But again, um, my sense is probably there is a small percentage of people in the world. I mean, like all the in England, I think you know. Again, all the druids and all the, yeah. the well, astrologers I mean, this, and shit, all the yeah. New Age people yeah. are going to love this thing. This this is where I think the important thing is just to leave it in a place where they collect and move through. I mean, yeah. the Costco website example is perfect here. What you want to do is find a place where these kind of people are already going. And you just leave yeah. it there for them to pick up on some level and then yeah. make a decision about whether or not they want it. Yeah. Well, what I can do is, is again, just have a, a downloadable, a freely downloadable PDF that, yeah. you know, that I gives mean, them all the explanation and that. My perspective is that yeah. is what you can do with YouTube. You can give them the experience very much in terms of as you would in your best possible light want to illustrate it to them. And then through having that experience through the video, I can't can imagine make... that being more than about thirty minutes long. That's exactly my point. In fact, well, ideally, what you would do. Well, you were talking about a whole series of videos, well, potentially not just one video. I mean, why do you, rather than do it in thirty minutes, why not do it in six five-minute things on various sections, and that way people can either watch them in order or come to a particular part. Okay, put them all up at the same time. Exactly. But okay, but all I'm getting at is that there's certainly. I, 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 I mean, and you think that's that's viable going yes. in something like this with less than thirty minutes of video total? Yes. Yeah, I, w- I would divide it up. Maybe have four or five five minute okay. segments explaining different things, which means that people searching for information might hit video number three before they hit video. Number well, once one, I start, still, the, yeah. I mean, there's really two levels of explanation. There's yeah. a there's a level about. Why even have a lunar calendar? What's the point mm. of a calendar anyway and all mm. that? So that, that doesn't take long to handle, but that's, that's one issue. And then there's the issue of is how does this calendar work? What do the, these blue numbers mean? What do these red numbers mean? Yeah. Those could be separated. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, but 
would seem to me that the, I've got to keep the explanation part together in a single in a single video that explains what the red numbers are, what the blue numbers are, and what the white numbers are. Yes. But that's again, this is simple stuff. It doesn't take very long to explain it. Yeah. I guess it's interesting actually because I mean certainly YouTube markets now. It's not even really markets. They tell folks that have reached a certain level in terms of the number of viewers that they've had that even though it's rather trite that they should start doing certain things like have catchphrases and things that people feel familiar about watching their content with it's very curious but i mean <laughs> youtube has done a lot of research in this light and it's yeah, interesting yeah, actually yeah. because you know this kind of information is relatively useful for the kind of stuff that you're talking about because you want to introduce <sighs> yeah. people in a very comfortable way to why well, actually, I don't. No, that, I mean that. I, I'm not against that, mm. but that's not my. No, my thing is that there are already people who, when they see this, will immediately say, "Yes, this is something I would like to have." Let's discuss price. And those are the and so the thing at twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Okay, so yeah. that I think is is easily done through YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Associated with the means yeah. of explaining it, and also the yeah. fact that you have a certain. There's a certain degree of existing traffic. You can use keywords to get people there. Yeah. And yeah. it has a life of itself after your interest and involvement. And, with this thing. and, uh, PayPal is the only, are there other payment except what about credit Pay- cards? PayPal is the lingua franca to use the worst possible cliche associated with this stuff. So, yes. Yeah. And it enables you to do and, credit cards and everything. So it's just- okay. So with YouTube, I can do, I can take people's credit cards. Or PayPal. Well, no, PayPal does it all. So you just have a link to PayPal. They can take credit cards through. Oh, PayPal and PayPal. Ah, okay. PayPal. So okay. Yeah. So all there has to. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. If they. Yeah, they already. If they already have a PayPal account, then that's. Yeah. No or if they have issue. a credit card account, PayPal will take credit cards as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. Well, that's that's good information. Hmm. I didn't want to rile as heavily as I did. In fact, I think I think even Skype has adjusted my levels based on the reaction to the website. But my feeling associated with Squarespace and Squarespace actually sponsors a lot. Of- no, I don't think that's the name. I, that's not the name I'm thinking of. There's there's something else, but I don't. It doesn't make any difference. I can't. Well, remember. there are there are a number of smaller ones, but Square, Squarespace is the largest associated with. Solve all your problems with a website. What you need is a website. A website will make everything more rosy and wonderful. <laughs> and here, just try our free for one month. And then uh, yeah, again, that's, that's marketing. You see, the yeah, funny thing just, is, yeah. yeah, but no, the interesting thing is that Squarespace has the 20 to $50 a month thing hammered down. I mean, there, look, with regards to podcasts, there are these th- services as well. They work yeah. out, you know, 20 to $50 a month. In fact, recently, stupidly, because I was trying to get some content through Vimeo, I signed up to Vimeo for a year when they didn't even offer the service that I wanted having subscribed to it, which was very, very curious. But yeah, it's interesting. These whole, you know, 20 to $50 a month subscription services that really don't actually do anything. Well, actually, the, what I, all I want to do yeah. is have this calendar be made available to people who want to pay for it. Mm. And, and I don't want anything to do with dealing with it <laughs> except to set it up in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm willing to, if people want to talk about it, you know, yeah. I, I, but again, I can set up a Facebook page for that. Certainly. Yeah. No, a self-sustaining community, which is what you yeah. want through the Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. What you want yeah. through the Facebook page is a, is a group of however many admins. To talk about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, who can yeah, take people, hand. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, well, it's just a certain. I can say I think that there are a certain percentage of people who will just resonate with this. Hmm. <laughs> you know, they're it's they'll see it and they'll go, "Yes, this hmm. is exactly what I've been looking for." Yeah, I mean, they like, may not even have known that. Yeah, yet. I mean, like it's it's the almanac model fundamentally, right? It's the fact that you huh? have the almanac model, which is sold to people from druids to gardeners to a variety of folk, is just typically. A small group of people that go out to esoteric sources, gather together information associated with, you know, a variety of things for a year or two years or ten years, publish it into a book and then sell the almanac, right? Which is your source for, yeah, you, you know, do, planting it, schedules and gardening. In this case, it's called calendar. It, well, <laughs> except, except for very particular purposes. You know, for people that have very particular interests, you know, they want to harvest their tomatoes on the right day well, to get if they the want to be in, if they want a calendar yeah. that reflects physical reality as yes. opposed to the christian ideology Certainly. then yeah. they'll use my calendar yeah. or the actually i've changed its name now it's the gendo earth calendar it's very good <laughs> and uh yeah uh, and if you if you're a good catholic or uh mm. or you know or christian or whatever you know or, you know, then you can use the old calendar mm. pope gregory's calendar <laughs> mm. Yeah. So another interesting community that I've discovered, well, I haven't discovered, I've rediscovered. The interesting thing about the quality of my mind is that I can return to communities that I have known at one stage like they were new communities. And the community that I've returned to recently is associated with the, I don't know what we'll call it, I guess the black weed growers of YouTube, like the African-American weed tubers fascinating group of folk i usually it's interesting actually because i've i go through a variety of communities and this is one that i return to periodically because they are so unique compared to their there i guess there are asian youtube weed youtubers that grow cannabis but really there's a large group of kind of very i don't know advised from high times you know quoting jorge cervantes all these kind of curious white weed tubers. And the black weed tubers, from my perspective at least, have a lot more organic fibre to them. Like, they don't believe any of these High Times books and what have you. They have, and many of them actually, it's interesting, our listener Gabriel, you may recall, you may recall our listener Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, I know. So he had, he ran a, um, he called it astrology, but it wasn't really astrology at all. It was more associated with kind of black mysticism, um, certain aspects of the nation of Islam, certain aspects of the five percenters, very interesting group of folk that he cultivated on a podcast. So if you know the language and the mentality associated with these folk, there are people that grow weed with the same methodologies, which is really very fascinating and a complete we, the same method. What does that mean? They grow they, weed with the same methodologies grow, as what? As 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 these black nationalist folk that have uh, their own language, their own perspective associated with uh, a variety of dominant narratives that they say. I mean, Trump is a great example of this, but a wide variety of dominant narratives that they say are imposed upon them, but they refuse to accept. And in replacing that, in replacing the you know, white Jesus and all this other kind of stuff. They have their own perspective, which I think is just as fallacious and just as curious, but just completely different. 
yeah, associated yeah. with well, the this is a different brain. story. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but the the militancy, the um, it has echoes <laughs> of Black Panthers, which I like as well. So the militancy that these black when they all have internal clandestine networks in order to get the genetics between them. Did, thought, did you see that uh, that Angela Davis thing that I posted? I must have. I haven't been on. I haven't been on Facebook. As oh, well. oh, what, okay. yeah. what did you? It might have been a repost of. She's been. Was it a documentary on her? Or was well, it, no. Was it? it was a little. Some interview she did somewhere, mm. and they asked her about whether she supported violence in, in the revolution, and her answer was just remarkable. <laughs> she just. <laughs> it was, was it that um, that violence has been used against her and her people? For <laughs> well, yeah, right. Yeah. You're, you're talking me about violence? Yes, exactly. You know? like, when they blew up the house across the street and killed yeah. four kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. and you want to wor- you're worried about me doing yeah. some violence, huh? It's actually fascinating <laughs> because that whole Philadelphia black movement. So I, I mentioned I mentioned in our last recording, maybe the recording before. Um, Samantha, who is genetically related to me and is African American. And I'm trying to find her connections with me that I have on paper. I've gotten in contact with, I think there's sixth cousins, their fifth or sixth cousins. And one of them, in fact, the woman who's given her DNA is married to, uh, an African American man. They have, they have kids, um, in the Philadelphia area. And the fellow looks like he is part of, or at least a fringe part of, is exactly the group that you talk about, the folks that did have their houses blown up and raided in Philadelphia. It is also very curious. Returning to the black nationalist weed growers on YouTube, the notion that growing cannabis in very particular fashions is actually like a counter, like a, a revolutionary movement and a means of empowering people and also passing on a variety of different areas of knowledge is something which I've tried to talk about through a number of settings, this one in particular, but is so perfectly distilled through these black weed growers on YouTube that it's actually really, really fascinating. A few of them are local to me, and it's difficult It's difficult with the life that I lead currently. I, I probably told you this, Heron, but I'll, I'll mention it again. When I was 13, my father lived in Los Angeles and went. he taught at UCLA. And I came to visit him, having not seen him for probably eight to ten months. It was quite a long period of time where I hadn't seen him. And he couldn't look after me over this period of time, so he sent me to school in L.A. And I was in a bust-in school, and I was one of two white kids. And the next, like, whitest kid was actually a Persian girl, who she called herself Persian-Iranian. And then, basically, everyone was African-American or Latino. And I have never been welcomed into a community like that. I've, my experience, <laughs> very similar to you in some regard, is that I'm always on the outside. I always feel on the outside. But I'm not on the outside like, you know, the African-American folk are and the Latino folk are in certain communities. But I'm still an outsider. I'm an outsider for all these possible communities. But when I was 13 years old, these these kids who were bust in from... You know, South Central and a variety. Were there of any kids native to that school, or was every? I mean, it was a special school where everybody came in and was so busted from somewhere was busted else. In from somewhere okay. else. In fact, okay. it's actually one of. It's a really fascinating charter school. Well, it's now it was a charter. It turned, became a charter school. Oh, this case, a charter school too. Yeah, that. that no, no, that no. Parent? But originally, originally it was a public school, and it was a public school actually that a number of quite interesting people, including the uh, DJ AM, who was the 
um, Adam something something who was the uh, mixed DJ who died of a heroin overdose. He went to that school. A few people actually went to that school that were really very interesting. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson Junior High, for folks who are interested. And anyway, but yes, it was it was a bust in school because the people in the area that had any money would never send their kids to it. <laughs> so it had this strange contradiction of things. So I was there and living in that environment, walking to school, there was a there were a few kids that clearly had substance abuse problems. Uh there was one Mexican kid that showed me a revolver very proudly, you know, <laughs> these kind of things. Yeah. So I mean it was that kind of school environment. But I've never felt more welcomed by a group of people as ultimately someone who clearly wasn't a white American. Now, after living in this country for 12 plus years, which is very curious to me because I don't really feel like I am, but by a series of things, and also I'm married to a white American, you know, these things have become part of my existence where I would like to move fluidly into these communities. But I've, I've talked to you about the Black Lives Matter thing. It's interesting, actually, because one of the Black Lives Matter activists has discovered short funk, not Stone Ape, but short funk which is curious. So I might have an opportunity to talk with someone associated with that movement. But I'm not part of any of these groups, and I can't easily move into these communities because I'm just some schlub who works for a corporation who might as well be a white American. But I find them fascinating. It's a sad... I don't see why there's anything to prevent you from putting any of your ideas any place you want. Well... Except the people within, there are gatekeepers within these communities. Well, I mean, the they can do thing, what they will yeah. with it, but there's yeah. nothing to prevent you from. Oh engaging. no, no, without question, and uh, that's what I've done passively through short funk more than Stone Ape, unfortunately. But I think the ability, particularly with short sound bites, to get people listening initially, you know, although I ramble on about a lot of things through short funk, has actually worked in some cases with short funk quite successfully. So, yeah, in the medium term, this might be possible. But what I find fascinating is that a lot of the... So, I've told you about this. I'll talk about it again. There is a group of, again, very much the white weed growers that get together on a Friday night for an equivalent, as my wife points out, it's like model rail radio for weed growers, except they use Google Hangouts, so you can see their faces and stuff. Last Friday at about nine when I got off work, nine in the evening, I thought to myself, how difficult would it be to find these people's real names? They all use pseudonyms. Within 30 minutes, I had three of the people involved, real names, where they work, whether they have children, their wives' names, all this stuff. They Their pseudonyms were paper thin associated with actually finding their details out yeah. very rapidly. Well, and, and yeah. it was easy for you. I True. couldn't do it. True. You know, And most, yeah. you know... Yeah. 99% of people couldn't do it. Certainly, certainly. But what interests me through the African-American tubers is that they are just a different, like their mentality, their whole perspective associated with this thing is very much associated with being revolutionaries. And mm. the framing of this, yeah. and the framing of 
this is just a subset of the kinds of repression that we've yeah. seen associated no, with right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I agree completely. Yeah. You know, that, that's exactly, you know, what, what the fuck is the government <laughs> telling people what to do about shit yeah. like this? It's none of their fucking business. You know? It's extraordinary. It really is. Yeah. I, I've been looking into actually the distinction of laws. I mean, my interest is associated with independent research and the way in which I think this is done is associated with forming medical collectives and then just basically giving medicine to people free of charge through these collectives. And you can do genetic engineering experiments through these collectives. The way in which this is written through the new legislation for California, which was already in place before anyone even voted, but also um, Oregon, Washington State, lesser extent Colorado, is all designed on the nature of these super... You know, money-making things. Yeah, agriculture company. No, 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 no. This isn't or, even agriculture. Well, whatever. No, it doesn't have to yeah. be agriculture. But anyway, it's just a big company. <laughs> I can, I within agriculture, as I know well, I can grow and create a wide variety of tomato varietals and basil varietals and chili varietals and do that without any nonsense. Cannabis is not that thing legally within any of these states. It is something which is special and has unique penalties associated with its special nature. Well, so that'll be the next law that needs to change. Not, not probably under the Trump administration. Well, again, yeah, yeah well, but, you know, if but, you're gonna, if you're gonna worry about that game, yeah. then you gotta be in it for the long run then. That's it. Exactly. You know, otherwise exactly. quit bitching about it. I'm not <laughs> bitching at all. I'm not bitching at all. Because I think actually what has happened very fundamentally is that there is a real turning point that has occurred, ironically, in the same election that brought us the new administration. But something has really changed in this country. It's gone oh, yeah. from being a, a fringe few states to now a majority. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, until the raids start and it goes all nonsense underground crap again. But, yeah. Well, the, the whole thing is just, you know, like I say, I, I think it's, mm. uh, I'm, I'm looking for outs mm. <laughs> if it gets to that. I'm yeah. hoping that I was just overreacting. Well, we'll see. One of the things I have been doing, aside from watching YouTube in my evenings, is reading. I've bought, I'm really very much now part of the e electronic book phenomena. I buy a lot of Kindle books now and I read I them because they're the addiction to paper. Oh, papers! Yeah, it's crazy. It's Poisonous chemicals it's on on, uh, on dead trees. Come Which on! Which I then yeah. have to give away to people, and yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, and they just get old and weathered, and they end up in a trash bin somewhere. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. Paper mold, yes. and that looks better on a good device than it than paper ever did anyway. Well, it's I mean, interesting. What's interesting through this is I used to buy a variety of paper books that I used to just dislike and then give away. Now I buy a variety of electronic books, which I dislike, and then they don't, nothing, there's no transaction after that. They just exist just in an the, account somewhere. And yeah. yeah. But what I found fascinating through this, I've been reading two kinds of books. I'm trying to find anywhere, and this isn't there, because I was thinking if I'm going to write a book associated with cannabis biology, then it would be an interesting book to write. There are no existing books, aside from the two that I've mentioned from Joe Pytree, and they're both, um, like biographical, biographical narratives. But also I've been reading game artificial intelligence books because I think the, I found a book which I've given to a coworker, 
which was associated with particular kinds of, they're called real-time strategy games. So they're basically, you have a bunch of peons and a bunch of warriors and stuff that are all consuming resources and creating new warriors and you're going off and fighting other people that are doing the same thing. There's a whole genre of games associated with this. And I had one of the early books that was written in the late 1990s with one of the early game creators that started making these games. Fascinating book. Nothing on artificial intelligence in the book. And there's a huge gap associated with the stuff that I've done with Noble Ape for the past 20 years in the game community. So I thought, well, this is a really interesting genre that I would write in, given the chance. So I bought half a dozen books through Kindle associated with this genre. They're all crap. They're all unbelievably bad. There are 50% of them are rants associated with very basic concepts, which are really very curious. Like, most of these books are actually someone's rant associated with game companies and the games industry. When you say a book, what does that mean? You mean... Mean 300 to 400 pages in a Kindle, in a Kindle format here. Okay. Oh, okay. Kindle format. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, these are, these are chapter after chapter of nonsensical rants associated with this person's experience. That's the world we live in. Any fucking idiot can publish any goddamn, even I can do that. (laughs) But when you, when you, when you buy a genre, when you go into a genre and think, I want to read the top five books in this genre. And you get these bizarro rants associated with yeah. games companies well, that have nothing tell, to do with the topic. Tells you something about the state of the world, uh, how well it understands its uh, own information. It's extraordinary <laughs> that people could write. I guess my background with this is that I clearly, through my interests, particularly associated with computing, I've read hundreds of books associated with computing. Many of them are crap. The ones of course, that most of them are crap, probably. Yeah. The ones I've liked, like, for example, this one associated with real-time strategy, real-time tactics, that I've held on to and recommend to others. But clearly things have gotten a lot worse in the genre. I mean, for a period of time, I'm literally talking 15 years here, I never bought anything in this genre because it all seemed to be to be like charlatanism. Like, it was just all very, very curious and had nothing to do with the thing. So coming to this genre again with open eyes, like a, I don't know, like a virgin reader in this area, I shouldn't really be shocked by how bad these things are. But I was shocked that people can actually get away with publishing this crap as a genre. Well, there's no, but there, that's the whole thing. The gates are open. Anybody can publish any damn thing. They are, no, I, I should, I should point out here. These aren't self-published works. These are works that are published by existing technical publishers that I would have thought, perhaps, maybe. Like, for example, O'Reilly. O'Reilly, again, I don't consume a lot of O'Reilly stuff. I've got maybe three or four of their books that I use as technical reference books occasionally. But I thought that they actually... And I have quite a close friend that publishes with O'Reilly periodically. I've I've lamented occasionally that I haven't been an O'Reilly publisher, but then again, it's its own thing. I can't imagine that this, when it was, it's published by O'Reilly. It's extraordinary how badly written this thing is. And then there are other books that are published by other large-scale technical publishers that allow for these things that are just rants. And what what are so many things that are so fucked up. What I find (laughs) through this that's really fascinating is having offered an open-source resource, a technical resource to enable people to start doing agent modeling and start experimenting with various aspects of agent modeling, I, I, sh- I really need to write in this area. I just need to put out something just in stark contrast to all the, and your whole, you know, 20 bucks 
I'd put it out for five bucks or even ten bucks. And I think it would completely change this whole thing, I would hope. Or maybe there's just so much noise that it's just known as a scam genre anyway, and people wouldn't be interested in it. It's just extraordinary. It's always interesting coming to these communities, particularly when you have your own perspective on, you know, quality and these kind of notions. Probably slightly artificial. But yeah, it's extraordinary stuff. Extraordinary stuff. Have you seen any films recently? Uh, Yes, but I can't remember any of them, so... So I've watched three or four films recently that I've found are curious to curiously bad. One that I have watched, which I liked, was actually called The Shallows. And it's a it's a modern-day take on Jaws. Yeah. It's actually done quite well. Uh-huh. And I've seen uh, War Dogs. In fact, I, I had to purchase it through iTunes, not wanting to pirate stuff. And uh, I've watched it three times, and I two of the three times I didn't actually finish the film. And I thought the film had actually ended, and there was a whole <laughs> final scene, because it comes to a natural conclusion. I don't stay around for, you know, the yeah. credits. So when I think the credits are going to roll, I just turn the thing off. I don't think there's a like a logical yeah. end. I, yeah, I guess yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, yeah, it makes a difference, doesn't student it? Student of Netflix. <laughs> That'll gotcha. Yeah. And I was watching it with my wife the third time, and I thought, "There's another scene here." Did, did that other scene change anything? Yeah, it kind of did, but it's still not. You've got to appreciate when I most of my when I buy things now through iTunes. They're typically in the order of between 13 to 15 bucks, maybe even 16 in some cases. So my relationship to the... I saw one called um, Hello High Water, which is like a Monday Western. And that I actually turned off within the first five minutes because I was so... This is phenomena <laughs> where you see a short to the film and then you watch the film. And yeah. the film is just the exact replication of the short. And you're like, Why did I, what more did I get out of this thing that I didn't get from the short, you know? And Hello High Water was interesting because I watched the five minutes. It's just like, I've seen this through the short. I'm not even watching anymore. And then like an hour later, I thought, well, I did spend, you know, 12 bucks to get this thing. Maybe I should go back. Yeah. And actually it got better, which was. The- yeah. See, I've got, I don't know, probably 5,000 movies yeah. that I've pirated now yeah. <laughs> on my hard drives. Yeah. And I watch one every other week, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Mr. Nice about the British hash smuggler? Uh, no, I haven't. That is really bad as well. <laughs> uh, that yeah. is. Oh, uh, yeah. thanks. Well, I'll, yeah. well, the thing is, see, you never can. T- I can't take yeah. your word for it. You know, you've got your own particular likes and dislikes. Might I might like love it. it. I might. What I find, what I find interesting is that I again purchased it, but it was cheaper. Watched it once by myself and thought this is rubbish, and then watched it with my wife. And her initial thing was this whole. I mean, the early part of the film is through the early 1960s when he discovers hash and psychedelics and all this kind of stuff. My wife said to me, this is such, when we watched it today, and we didn't even finish it, we watched it about half an hour and then turned it off. This is such a cliche. And then she said, no, actually, for someone that experienced the 1960s, this might actually be an accurate account. It's just, for us, it looks like a visual cliche. You know, a whole bunch of young Well, that's kids. what makes a cliche a cliche. Exactly. That it that's has exactly. some truth to it. <laughs> that's exactly the point. They looked at each other. But one thing that we both agreed upon is that, um, which I've, t- I've we probably never talked about this. There was an author called Roald Dahl who had a series of children's books that had heavy psychedelic elements. And one of them is called the BFG, which is about a, a a giant that lives in an alternative universe, I think, and has all these strange foods and stuff. 
there's a movie out about exactly him, yeah yeah when when we went to the UK one of the things was actually seeing Roald Dahl sculpture and it was in in one of your favorite topics in one of these stately homes which are just huge castle like structures mm. yeah. It was in that setting that I realised this is clearly psychedelic stuff. And I realised, actually, that there's a lot of British culture which is very heavily... I mean, obviously, the Beatles the kind of made <laughs> cliche with that. But where the um, the nature of the UK, particularly in terms of the age of the structures and the psychedelic experience, for want of a better term, perfectly juxtapose each other. But it's so completely different than California psychedelia, for example. Because actually it's built upon, and this is Tolkien as well. This is actually a wide variety of these kind of alternative, you know, perspectives. Of, well, every and, culture, yes, yeah, is going to yeah. have its own mode <laughs> its of analysis. Own, yeah, yeah, well, every, yeah, it's going to be unique. Yeah. But unfortunately, Mr. Nice doesn't do this very well. And it wants to in part be an art house film, which is just kind of slapped on top of the story. It's a very curious film. I don't know. I mean, you might like it because you actually had some, at least at some stage, connection. And the name, the film is called Mr. Mr. Nice. nice. Okay, I'll take a look for it. It's, yeah. Is this a current film? Um, it's got to be the past five years. Okay, but I mean, it's not a new release or anything. The way that I came to it, not a new release, the way I came to it was actually... And it's a documentary or... A, no. Or, no, it's, no, it's a drama. Or yeah. comedy or something or other. It's, it's, it's not, based it's on a fellow's fiction. life. It's no. based on a fellow's life. Okay. Who the was a Mr. Nice. He's now passed. It was interesting because having read the Joe Pietri stuff, I'm very interested in, or he says it differently, Pietri. Anyway, having read this Joe Pietri's stuff, I'm now considerably more sympathetic to the whole hash smuggling genre of autobiography. And I looked at Mr. Nice as being a potential Kindle purchase. And then I said, oh, there's a movie about it. Maybe I'll just watch the movie first. I don't necessarily want to go back to the guy's actual biography because so much of it is a... The film is such a reflection of his own psychology. Well, how do you know that? Well, it's... How do you know it's not an invention of the filmmaker? Sorry, it's a heavy narrative thing. You're right. It could be a complete invention. But it was sufficiently... But, but it's him talking, though, you're saying. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, got I mean, yeah. look, you look at a film like Shine, and that is actually an authentic representation of... The... Well, yeah, you just said an authentic, not the authentic. Did I say the authentic? I <laughs> no, no, you authentic. said an. That's why I was yeah. saying I was yeah. congratulating you on yeah. your choice of uh, yeah. articles. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, you, I know this because my friend was a publicist on Shine, and actually I remember going into the Ronan office and seeing a page printout associated with, this is David Helfcott, this is David Helfcott and his wife, his family, the other Helfcotts who knew the father, have a completely different perspective, do not talk to them on the phone, do not discuss <laughs> with them the film, it will take a long period of time, they have their own view <laughs> and this isn't a conversation, right? It's not a conversation that can be engaged with because the film has been produced and it is David Helfcott and his wife's view, which I thought was fascinating. Well, that's what it is, yeah. Printed yeah, out. There you go. So I'm very... So has the other point of view been expressed? Yeah, I think the other point of view is interesting and I certainly have that view with regards to Shine. I mean, I, I think it's an amazing film having had a Jewish father. 
and having had a Jewish father with a wide variety of turmoil and, you know, the whole Holocaust thing, but also the nature of these Jewish ghettos and a variety of things. Well, well there's all sources, enough insanity to go, in every mm. culture. You don't have to be fucking Jewish but, to be but, raised by insane people. Yeah, but there's, there's this particular <laughs> phylum of insanity. There, no, there, each shared, one has yeah, its own nuances. Yeah, You're yeah. right. <laughs> So, in particular, like the manifestation of violence and the manifestation of repression, but ultimately that all these things are actually a very curious representation of love. That all these byproducts. Well, one story. Well, no, that this is, ex- but this, no, but in understanding or trying to understand the way what you see in Shine, in particular the father's unique yeah. behavior, this is embodied of what these orthodox Jews viewed love as being in fact the representation of the violence and the control and all these kind of things is but, exactly uh, i can't accept i mean you can say that it's their conception you know you label it you call it what you will <laughs> you know my view is that um <laughs> what occurred in particular through the holocaust had a series of schisms where yes as as a rather arcane but somewhat modern man in 2016, I can look back and say all these things are not appropriate. But I also can say I Wait wasn't. A all these things are not appropriate. What? The use of the use what? of the well, let's talk about shine as a thing. Okay. The way in which the father behaved with regards to David Healthcott. I don't not- remember all the details. Mm-hmm. I just you know, but he was oppressed deeply by his father. Certainly. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. that experience is spread over many, including my experience. I mean, the representation of a variety of things, which is very curious. And what's particularly curious of it is looking at this thing genetically as well. Because if you look at, um, so I've rediscovered more family members. I keep finding new second cousins along my father's family. And one of the groups of this are associated with my father's mother's mother who was a very curious character. She was um, very petty, very bitter, and very angry. And these are the emotions that she conveyed to everyone who came in contact with her. <laughs> and she lived a very long time as well, which is always wonderful to a have those... bitter emotions. old woman. Exactly. <laughs> who demanded a variety of things. Now, her father seems like a perfectly affable guy. And actually, all these relations are related to her father. He had nine children that survived to adulthood. A majority of the children and the children's children and the children's children have wonderful stories about this guy, that he was, you know, open and friendly. I mean, he was a hard man in some regard, but he was at least a good grandfather figure and in many cases, great grandfather figure because he lived for a long time as well. My great grandmother's perspective was he was the devil who killed his wife through a variety of very curious stories. And um, when I get back in contact with these relations... Both, have, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's you not, knew my great-grandmother... No, if you knew <laughs> yeah. my great-grandmother, you know that what she says has to be taken with a certain view. Well, what, yeah, I'm... Yeah. I'm but yeah. it, it, there are... I can't imagine that she could be perfectly uh, right on about it, too. The thing is that I've seen patterns of this associated with my father's father's father where the daughters or some of the daughters have a very curious narrative associated with him. All the men have a similar narrative that he was just a hard guy, but really basically 
his wife died at a relatively young age and he carried on looking after, I think, six children in this case. But some of the granddaughters, through their mothers, have a different view of this guy, that he was a repressive drunk who, you know, <laughs> amazing narrative. And the beauty of narrative is it lives on well after this person's past. Yeah. Well, and, and when you accumulate enough narratives, mm. you never can tell. Sometimes mm. an, an astute historian can mm. draw some interesting conclusions, you know? So rather than tell any of these people that are related to this old fellow exactly what my great-grandmother had said about him, I said, look, you know, I spoke to my father. It was kind of outlandish, and clearly he was a nice guy based on, you know, my great-grandmother. All correspondence cut. No more correspondence from these people. I'm yeah. friends with a couple of them on Facebook. Well, yeah they, yeah. they had this perspective where even the sense that there might be, and, and even it's a combination of factors. Now, <laughs> my grandmother's brother is still alive. He's in his uh, 80s now. And he actually gave the DNA so I could triangulate on these people. Actually, it's interesting. The third cousin uh, put her DNA into 23andMe. And it was because of my great uncle that I was able to say she is exactly this relation and work backwards. Amazing stuff. Through the week, I was contacted by a person who lives in the Bay Area. Actually, it was the person's ex-wife saying, you're related to my ex-husband. This is amazing. This is amazing. Amazing um, email. Just gushing email that she was proud that I was related to her ex-husband because of her <laughs> son. Her son is the linking biological person. here, And I wrote a very nice email back to her. Now, because I have this genetic mapping, I can actually work out how I'm related to this person or not related. So we're not third cousins, as it looks genetically. We're related through two prior ancestors that I could spot out. So we're probably more like fifth cousins. We just have two prior ancestors linking us. No correspondence from that. No correspondence whatsoever. Like, it's too esoteric. And But it's interesting, actually, being someone that someone wants to be related to or closely related to. A very curious thing. I guess for a particular kind of brain-damaged language monkey to use uh, a heron stone. Well, it's a particular kind of brain damage. Yeah. There's lots of specific yeah. ones, but the need to feel belonging. Yes. Well, uh, also, you know, is an important yeah. uh, thing. You know, as as my professional life impacts my health and various other aspects of my life, but mainly my lack of free time. I always find it curious when I meet people that are really amazed that I work for this corporation because it's a strange kind of thing. I mean, I folks who listen to this podcast may not understand, but I'll try to explain a little bit more. I'm if you create a square where, you know, the top is authoritarian, the bottom is unauthoritarian, and then you have traditional left right. Heron doesn't adhere to some of this discussion, but let's just say that. I'm in the bottom left. I am as unauthoritarian and as left as you possibly could get, which means that I am so totally distant from anything in this country, but also totally distant from my current life. Like, my objectives in life and where I am in life are in two diametrically opposing spheres, which is very, very curious. And it's interesting, actually, through our discussions, Heron, because I should be leading your life. I really should at some stage, just completely give up this whole thing and completely minimize the amount of contact that I need to have with the workaday world and just start doing stuff, right? Well, it's a good thing for some people at some mm. points in their life, I think. Yeah. You know, it's a big decision. Yeah. It is, it is interesting because I look 
periodically at what I've at model rail radio, for example, that's a good abstract here. To create a community like that with such success and such self-organizing properties, it's just amazing. It doesn't yield me any professional success, but it is something that I would love to do. I would love to do in a variety of different spheres. But my relationship to like the workaday world and where I am in my career and all this other kinds of nonsense just is orthogonal to all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Do you have any topics you want to float here, Heron? It seems to be a very Tom heavy topic night. Well, yeah. Um, I want to announce my retirement from the stone ape podcast. Oh, okay. Very interesting. So do you want us to talk in the future or do you, well, you just, well, let me, let me, okay. I have, that's what, that's what I want to say is that we've been doing this for a long time yes. and we've pretty much covered every goddamn thing under the sun that I can think of that, that I was interested in talking about. Right. But it's a new world, right? Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. However, my feeling is that, uh, you know, the energy just isn't there for this, for me anymore. anymore. Okay. And, um, but if, if I'm not saying I don't ever want to talk again, see, that's the thing is I just want to end the idea of a regular Friday night thing. If we have something, yeah. To, I mean, well, that's really what it's become anyway. I mean, <laughs> you know, if there's some reason for us hmm. to chat, then let's do it. I'm open hmm. to that. For sure. But uh, if there isn't any reason for us to talk, there's no point to get on here, you know, and, you know, if we don't really have something we want to talk about. I guess certainly what's happened in recent months is that my work has stopped us from having a regular conversation, which means I think we're kind of out of practice in doing that anyway. And what I find really fascinating through even just recording what we did the day after the election and this, again, unfortunately, is the listener's responsibility because they contact me, they don't contact you. So, Well, that tells I'm, you something right there, doesn't it? Yes. In fact, it's interesting, <laughs> actually, because... It's I not think, like they, ha- they can't get a hold of me. I think listeners have a very curious... I mean, it's interesting because when we started this thing, you brought a community and I brought a community. No, but it was always clear that this is your podcast. Well, that's because there are, there are a couple of parts to that. The first no, is no, there, it was, that we, we made that really explicit from the very beginning, I, I believe. Well, <laughs> you certainly – I don't think you've ever promoted being on this podcast. I mean, I've periodically posted this podcast to your Facebook page. Yes. But I don't think you've yeah. ever promoted the fact no, that you are I've on this podcast. No, I've never done anything. No, yeah. I have You're right. Yeah. yeah. That's why I say it's your podcast, man. You're, yeah. you're uh, responsible for this. If it was up to me, it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it did initially. I mean, it was initially part of the Gendo podcast, right? Oh, I don't even remember now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm like 20 or 30 episodes of the Gendo podcast. I was just like a guest on the Gendo. Well, well no, no. It was a conversation that was recorded. No, you and I had, we came to some decisions about what, well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't really care, actually. <laughs> We're talking about now as opposed to the history. I yeah, 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 yeah. 
It's been it's been good, but I'm just thinking, you know, we've there's no point, in, you know, in, in getting together unless there's some actual point in us talking, not just because it's Friday night, you know. It's mm. well, it's not Friday night tonight. But thank you. Yeah, I yeah. well, that's perfect. Like I say, you know, yeah. I'm still as available as I have ever been. Yeah, and it's interesting and I, actually because I certainly have a feeling of responsibility associated with these recordings, and part of that is the assertion <laughs> of the listeners. But part yeah. of it is also a genuine friendship. I mean, you and I, over many years, have talked about a variety of topics. Well, that's why I think there's no yeah. reason for us not to continue talking. Yeah. You know, but uh, it, uh, my sense is it needs to be more focused and, uh, and, and more on purpose for either you or me. It doesn't either one, one of the other one of the yeah. other would be good, uh, good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, from my perspective, there are certainly topics I like to discuss with you. I think it's actually the outside of the specific topic stuff that I prefer, which is, to be honest, I have had similar feelings as well, Heron. So, I mean, I don't think this is a unique no, I, thing. Yeah. Um, but, I imagine a few listeners have had the same Well, they've rage quit through the years <laughs> as well. So. But, yeah, I, I've certainly felt, and it's difficult with my current work anyway, to come together on a regular basis. I mean, that's just struck it just impossible. No, I'm fine with that, Aaron. I mean, my perspective is it's got to be a mutual on some level, or it's not really a mutual thing on a variety of levels. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just saying uh, we ought to get together if at least one of us mm. has something they really want to talk to the yeah. other one about. I think. And if not, if not, then what's, yeah. what's the point? Well, the point is actually some of the scat jazz elements that I think have come through just getting together. I mean, a lot of the stuff that comes well, out... Well, that can that, still happen. I mean, that's, well, that's going to yeah. happen anyway. I mean, yeah. you can't avoid that. That's what, what's part of what makes our conversation interesting, at least to me, yeah. <laughs> is that uh, you can keep up your end of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I don't think we need to worry about that. Mm. The issue is whether we've actually got something that, that's uh, worth talking about that other people might also find... Um, well, maybe other people, maybe not. Maybe just is good enough for the two of us. Mm. I can go with that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to actually say it explicitly because, I mean, certainly what I've found through short funk is a completely different audience. I and, bet. Yeah. And what, what, how many comes, listeners do you have to that now? I don't look at that stuff anymore. What, no. uh, the metrics I use for that is associated with correspondence okay. and quality of correspondence. Yeah, right. You're and right. I think, it's the only thing that really counts. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And we also, I mean, you know, we have... And that's and that's acceptable. We have folks that are really strongly your devotees that in, don't... In, in, you, uh, okay, I'm sorry. In, that in, in don't, sorry, continue. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, you you said <laughs> what you... Well, I, I was trying to clarify something you were saying, so why don't you just go ahead and say what you were going to say, and then well, I'll find I mean, out whether I understand it properly or not. <laughs> my perspective is, and I reflect, is, is Dave Roll's you know, view, and he still listens to the recordings, but he has a perspective very much that I am not the right person for you to be talking to. <laughs> and I'm sympathetic to that. I'm very sympathetic. I'm surprisingly sympathetic to Dave Roll's perspective. Yeah. The way in which he says it is well. It depends but, on what yeah. you're looking for here. Yeah. You know, yeah, it depends on you know. You're perfect for what you do, and you know. And it always strikes me as strange, though. That I mean, the whole perspective of listening to a podcast where you really dislike one of the participants. Well, yeah. Um, anyway, well, uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't think 
I think probably most things like this have one primary person. Hmm. I think so that the whole podcast gets gets labeled by something much more simplistic. This thing is hard to label because it's hmm. not just me. If it was just me, it would be pretty easy. Hmm. <laughs> you know, hmm. if it was just you, you could pick one or you know. But I mean, you could divide. You could make it pretty easy. But mm. for the two of us, there's no fucking way you can do that. Yeah, certainly. certainly. So the other thing I like doing is just having a conversation with you that doesn't come out in podcast form. That's fine, too. I'm definitely open to that. Yeah, and I think that-, that would actually be better for me on a number of levels because there are certainly a number of topics that I don't talk about openly here for a variety of reasons yeah. that I think have mutual interest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Certainly, historically, what we've done in those circumstances is just had chats periodically and not put them out in podcasts. No, I'm listen. I'm open yeah. to uh, anything. I'm just saying uh, I'm I'm taking this off my schedule. I mean, yeah. I've had it in my calendar for years now. Friday nights, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I mean, how much so of I'm that ta- is how much of that is associated with my work commitments and just not being reliable? No, it no, it's it has nothing. Well. Listen, I could probably come up with 20 different rationales for ending this thing. (laughs) You know, Um, there's, you know, it just seems to me that there's nothing much more to say. You know, that I'm, you know, like I say, there's lots to say, but I guess it's I'm just much more interested in my ideas than I am in yours. (laughs) Well, as you rightly probably feel about your ideas. I don't, I mean, it's interesting actually because I don't really feel the notion that I, I mean, this has been a long time discussion between us. You have a very set perspective and you know, store. You have I got a an store. agenda. You have an agenda. More, more uh, and an agenda. Well, not yeah. much of an agenda. I'm working on getting an agenda. Certainly. But within that... I certainly I, have intentions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whereas, as you say, periodically associated with me, I don't necessarily have that as defined as you have. Hmm. Well, I don't think it's for everybody. You know, I mean... Hmm. Not everybody need, you know, I mean, there's, the body has many different organs doing vastly different things. They, as long as they all work together, right? And I'm okay. Hmm. And, um, they're probably, humans probably aren't just one kind. They're, we're probably, I mean, who, you know, I mean, it's just an analogy. You know, if, if the, if Earth has a brain, we're probably part of it or something like a brain or what, something like that with the hardware and mm-hmm. all that shit. You know, and humans can probably occupy several different, very, very different ecological niches in a situation like that. So who knows? You know, I, I guess the best all each of us can do is just try to be, Whatever the hell it means to be true to your own natural instincts. Mm. Good luck with that. Certainly. Certainly. That is unfortunately laughable in this culture. (laughs) Well, what I will do, I mean, my, I, 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 fundamentally in terms of time and energy and effort and things these podcasts take a substantial yeah they'll free up all sorts of time for you yes yeah yeah make your life much simpler in some regard yeah yes yeah i can't argue with you heron i can't argue with you on this point and it's actually interesting because for periods ebbs and flows and particularly through you know probably the past year there have been times where i have felt this as well 
So I can't argue. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and like I say, that doesn't mean that it's not like a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> well, for our listeners, it is. For our listeners, well, that want you, degree no, of our listeners can take it any damn way they want. Yeah. You know, uh, I would imagine that you and I will probably uh, publish a few more conversations in the you know before the world blows up you know maybe not maybe we'll mm. see <laughs> mm. yes well heron i think that's a very good topic to conclude this particular <laughs> well see i wanted to actually start with it oh but, yeah but it didn't work out that way <laughs> so, so it just took yeah. its own course <laughs> yeah so, okay, so this has been a long, this isn't just a spur of the moment thing. Oh, I've been this thinking is, about this for weeks and, well, for quite some, some time. This is not just something that just came. I've, I've mm. been struggling with this actually. Mm. You know, it's, mm. it's been something that's been there. And, uh, so, I mean, certainly the main divergence, which I feel editing these things and putting them out and certainly has impacted me as well, has been the discussion associated with politics. And I'm wondering if that is like, I mean, no, this started way before that. Okay. I mean, really, I mean, well, you know, I mean, actually, I, I wasn't even really paying any attention to any of it until he got elected. Yes. <laughs> you know, I did. I mean, I was paying enough attention to go vote, but in yeah. California, so what? You know, Meaningless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why. That's why. Well, there's still some hope. Well, in any case, it's um, a recount. Yeah. Well, well not taking, only a recount, but the yeah. electoral college. Uh, you know, they can do any fucking thing they want to. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> you know, legacy. But again, then the the, mm. the response of the Trump supporters would probably mm. end up in severe violence. And uh, so, moving yeah. away from the political stuff, yeah. my mind then casts back to the whole Lorenzo legalized cannabis nonsense <laughs> thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that obviously was another no, there, point of no, friction. No, that wasn't not between you and me. No, not at all. But it was still a point of friction because you realized that this thing had been repurposed oh, in a yeah. way that you didn't uh, want well, to Well, that pissed me off. Before. Yeah, damn yeah. right. <laughs> pissed yeah. me off. <laughs> and if we weren't talking, it couldn't have happened, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, in any case, no, it was yeah. it's just, it's totally his choice to couch it that way. And, you know, and his way of frame. And, and in some sense, of course, he's not incorrect. <laughs> you know, it's just that it's it, yeah. when you just grab a few words and then you yeah. add the context. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I can't disagree with you, Heron. And uh, my perspective is that uh, certainly, you know, and because it actually requires physical labor for me to put these things. Yeah. Out, yeah. This, it's these, something that. Yeah. 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 You have a bunch of time, man. Yes. And like I say, if you got something you want to really want to talk about, something you think that. Yeah. Interesting for our listeners. You know, we'll probably, you know, like I say, I can't, I don't see why the Stone Ape podcast couldn't continue intermittently whenever the I guess what, uh, what, you know, like, yeah. what you've acknowledged here is something that I think we've both been feeling. And actually, my interest in having a, a f future friendship with you is actually more to have a friendship with you than to have a podcast. If, if we carry along this line, yes, we might find a reason in the future to do one of these recordings, but there's so much additional stuff that we can be communicating on that this podcast doesn't facilitate that I think actually this is a, a very good and, and interesting. Well, that's way to a possibility, but I, what yeah. I want to say is that, well, I don't, since I don't know what it is you want to talk about, my yeah. sense is that's precisely the stuff. It's not, that's, you're right. It's not for the Stone Ape. 
uh, podcast. It would be for, again, though, you know, a, a whole separate thing on potentially dealing, so. You know, if it's of any value to anybody going through similar struggles and, and awakenings and changes of ideas and stuff, uh, talk about that stuff is rare. Mm. You know, people don't talk about all the insecure, weird shit they're feeling and thinking because the world yeah, they this live is, in is crazy. The, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think there are a number of other things that fit outside these two boundaries. And certainly, yeah, there's no, there's no current. Well, and all I'm saying is I'm open to anything. That, right? I would certainly. prefer that we do something that could be of not only value to you and me, but also of some value to other people. It's not absolutely essential. If it's good enough, if it's good for you and me. Yes. <laughs> but it's even yeah. better if it's good for other people, too. Yeah. Which is interesting, actually, because I think, I mean, my advice to people listening to this after the fact is contact Heron <laughs> if you feel differently. We still have a Facebook page, which will no doubt be useful for a community of people. <laughs> well, we'll see. You know, like I say, mm. I, I, I think all we need to do is just announce that we're just not going to meet. We're, we're canceling any forward-going automatic meetings. If there's a reason for us to talk in in the Stone Ape podcast, then we will talk here. Mm. You know? And if, if it's once every six months, <laughs> you know, or yeah. not for another three years, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Or it might be next week. <laughs> Who knows? It might be tomorrow night. You yes. don't know. <laughs> well, that's interesting, actually. I guess my perspective is currently, to, currently a, a weekly focus is impossible. I mean, that's just the way that things have fallen down. I imagine sometime that I will be able potentially to return to a weekly recording. But I think what you've acknowledged here is things that I've been feeling as well. And, and I don't think it's just yeah. that either. I mean, I just think, okay. you know, we've talked so long for so about so much shit, you know, I mean, I, I, it's getting boring. That is basically what I wanted you to say, because yeah. I guess that's my perspective that a lot of these topics and listeners have said that as well in their rage quitting. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, again, it's 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 not it's not boring. I guess I'm bored. Maybe that's more proper because it's not boring. I I think the subjects are important, mm. but I mean, talking about it is boring. <laughs> Maybe that's it, especially after you've made up your mind about it. Mm. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's better to get on with propagating the ideas than debating whether they're the right the right ideas or not. Certainly. Well, Heron, I think that's a perfect conclusion to these recordings. <laughs> well, again, my perspective is a hiatus. <laughs> no, my my perspective is actually that it's probably better just to end these things. Okay. Because I feel if we need to talk candidly, we can talk candidly about a wide variety of topics. Absolutely. But I think Stone Ape as an entity functions in part, and it hasn't had this ability recently, but functions in part through the cyclical nature of the conversation. No, I, I, listen, it's your, we, again, it's Clearly. totally your call. And, and if that's your call, I accept that. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah. And we can, going forward again, we can do any damn thing we want. Certainly. So. Certainly. Just not through this particular vehicle. Right. Yeah. Very good. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you for the past, even though we've had hiatuses for at least the past seven years, Sarah. Yes. And, and I, I, I don't want this conclusion to be, I mean, my perspective is I've ended podcasts informally 
previously and to formally end a podcast actually as a luxury. In some <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it, well, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Aaron, have yes. a good night. And yes, if, if the need arises, we will chat in the future in an unrecorded fashion. Yes. Or, or well, I'll, I'll, listen, I record everything. Uh, if you tell me to not record, then I won't. Yeah. I mean, but it's my, just My preference actually is to have yeah. unrecorded conversations. Well, we'll just deal with that when we get to it. Very good. Okay. Look after yourself, Aaron. It's a brave okay. new world out there. Take care. <laughs> good night. Good night.